problem with us is this is a mic and I'm a mic and he's a mic and four mics. We're thinking about going to eat at Mike's Kitchen. John chapter 4. I don't want to waste too much time. I know a lot of you have worked all week and you're tired. No, I'm serious. I know Zinkley's not tired. He doesn't get tired. John chapter 4. At night when he lays down to go to bed, they just switch him off. John John chapter 4. John chapter 4. Tonight we're going to talk about your part in God's global plan. Unfortunately for you, God has a global plan and you have a part in it, (laughs) which means you have another job. That's unfortunate for you (laughs) because you probably have plenty jobs already. John chapter 4 verse 19. We're going to read up to verse 23, then we're going to read one verse in Luke chapter 19. In case I didn't greet you properly, how are you? One person is fine. Everyone else is tired. John chapter 4 verse 19. Ready? The Bible says, The woman saith unto him, unto Jesus, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. A great verse. (laughs) He tells her everything about herself and says, I think you're a prophet. Verse 20. Our fathers, she said, worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. That's now. That's you and I. We don't have to go to, you know, some people tell me, I went to the Holy Land. I say, so what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't. Some people have told me, it'll increase your religious experience if you go to the Holy Land. No, it won't. Amen. It will not. You don't ever have to go to the Holy Land to increase your walk with Christ. Jesus said, the hour's coming when you can worship God anywhere. Wow. Yeah, that's right. That's now. 22. She says, he says to this lady, ye worship, ye know not what. That's considered in Zambia an insult, isn't it? You don't know what you worship. (laughs) It's not the Jesus of the modern day. This is the Jesus of the Bible. Ye worship, ye know not what we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Bang! (laughs) Everybody else, out. (laughs) 23, this is the verse we're going to take. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. The Father is seeking worshipers. How does He find them? Come to Luke 19. Luke 19, verse 10. The Father is seeking worshipers. True worshipers. Not this right here. Not not this. You know what that is? It's a blasphemous song in Bimba. They sing it in churches. It's blasphemy. It's not true worship. It has no truth to it. It says Christ is ruling the earth right now. If Christ is ruling the earth, you need to take Him and kick Him off the throne and put somebody else on. Amen? Christ isn't ruling the earth now. When He rules the earth, it's going to be primo, eh? No potholes. (laughs) I've almost gotten buried in potholes this week. And let me say this, the potholes here are like this, eh? In Zambia, they're like that, eh? In, pothole, in a pothole in Zambia, if you see some ears sticking up, it's a giraffe. It's not a rabbit. Now, as you know, potholes are the least of our problems. The reason I brought it up is it's the least of our problems. Why bring up the problems when you've been in them all week? Luke 19.10, how does the Father find these worshipers? He sent the Son, verse 10. Jesus said, For the Son of Man is come to seek 
and to save that which was lost. The Father seeks worshipers, the Son seeks the lost. To do what? To save them. And in hopes that they'll become worshipers. But, but most of them don't. We're going to pray. I really am. I'm going to pray in just a minute. But I'll tell you a story about my dad. My dad, my dad was a very good dad, number one. I, he had his problems. He didn't always say the right words. <laughs> I remember I was in grade seven. He said some words that still hurt me today. Every dad does that. I'm sure I, I know I did that. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you're perfect. But, but my dad was a good dad. We got saved the same year, 1984. And my dad did not take off in the thing. My dad said this. He said, look. He said, we're, we're going to heaven. You're going to sit in the front. I'm going to sit in the back. Because he had no interest in being committed. You know? I'd go out the door to church as a 16, 17-year-old. He'd say, wait, let me write a check. I want to send a check with you to church. And I'd say, if you're not going to support the church by going, don't give me money to bring. I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I shouldn't have said that. I know I shouldn't have said that. Now I know that. At the time, I thought that was good. <laughs> but there are a lot of people like that. There's a lot of Christians like that. They're not fulfill, fulfilling their purpose or their part in God's global plan. Let's pray. Father, we pray you bless the message. Help me, Lord. I've probably already said some things I shouldn't have said. Uh, guide my lips, Lord, that I might say the right thing and be filled with the Spirit. Lord, forgive us for our sins that we might uh, find the truth, Lord, and, and truly become uh, true worshipers and disciples of Jesus Christ in the day and age we live in. I pray every person in this room would sit down tonight and ask you, Lord, what is my part in your plan? Father, help each one of us to find it and to, to live above sin in such a way that these things be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So it's very simple. It's very simple. The Father seeks worship, and that's the whole problem with the idol, eh? You know, the idol is set up, and there's worship going toward that idol. And there's, there are other spirits in this world that desire worship, and so they inhabit that idol. Isn't it? That's the problem. That's the problem. Now, God is a spirit. You can't set up any physical thing. People love that. In Zambia, you go in the post office, and they have a picture of Jesus. And, you know, it's a calendar. You know, it's a calendar. It has a picture of a Jesus that doesn't look anything like a Jew. Amen? I don't know where that guy came from, but he doesn't look Jewish to me. And I get frequently asked the question, Hey, do you have any, any picture of Jesus? Because when I pray at night, I want to look at that picture. That's not good. It's not good. It's not the spirit of Jesus that comes around that picture when you worship. Amen. Now, in God's plan, the plan is, you know, the modern versions, the new versions say this, Matthew 28, 19, go and make disciples. You know, the King James Bible says, go ye therefore teach all nations, teach them how to be saved, then baptize them, then teach them all things. That's why this man's such a busy man, eh? He's actually trying to do that. <laughs> He's trying to teach you all the things, you know. I don't know if I'm trying to do that. Am I trying to do that? So many things to teach, you know. Teach them all things. That's making a disciple. Now, when we talk that way, <laughs> when you teach that guy to observe all things, you know he can become a, a worshiper of Jesus Christ. Why? He knows the truth. He turns the TV on, TV Joshua, and immediately says, ooh, that's not true. It's not true. What he's saying is not true. What he's saying is, uh, what do you call it? Life coachism. You know, I, I, I get that on my WhatsApp status all the time. All these life coachism things, you know. 
you know, be a better you, you know, uh, everything's going bad, but it's all going to turn good. No, it may not. It may turn worse. I don't know if that ever happened to you. You know, when it rains, it pours, you know, and everything just hammers you down and beats you down. And the guy says, no, no, if you plan properly, you'll, you'll have success. I'm like, but I did plan properly. I got hammered. But you know, it's all life coachism. It's not reality. Now, the job of the, the global plan of God is a big job. I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of people to reach. And I, I can't reach them all. I, I can't do it. You know, it's, it's like, you ever see they have the football match, you know, and they take the flag of the country and they get all these people at halftime and they all grab the flag and there's all these people waving the flag on the field. Imagine if it's two guys. <laughs> Four guys, you know, the big old flag. You know, <laughs> It'd be ridiculous. That's, that's kind of the way I feel. It's kind of, you ever feel that way? I, I show up for soul winning like it's me and one other guy. I'm like, let's reach the world, brother. Amen. <laughs> but, but if you do this, if you do this, if you say, if you come to soul winning six weeks, at the end of six weeks, we'll give you a nice shirt. There's 30 people. Wow. So I quit giving shirts. Amen. I did. You say, why? Well, because I want the guy to be there who's he's a real disciple. Now, I'm going to give you four points as fast as I can. As you can see, it's not going to be very fast. <laughs> Number one, that's the introduction. Number one, in God's global plan, you can plow and plant. Come to John chapter 4 again. Come back to John chapter 4. You can plow, you can plant. <laughs> you know this brother that we don't talk about in church named Fricky, eh? Yeah. And the wife, we don't talk about her either, eh? Frickalina, we don't talk about them. Yeah. Because they're in a place we shouldn't talk about. They are plowing a very hard ground. And I'm not talking about the literal ground. The spiritual ground. Look at John 4, verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto, unto them, My meat is to, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Verse 35. Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white all ready to harvest. And he that reapeth, receiveth wages. That's what I want. <laughs> I don't want the wages of sin is death. He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. Do you want some eternal wages or do you just want the money you make? <laughs> it says you can gather some fruit unto life eternal that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Why are you so happy? Oh, you're not. You know, your life coach is trying to pump you up. You know, because you, you're dragging on the ground, you know. The week's been so bad to me. I mean, I feel that way sometimes. Sometimes. But, but I remember when I was younger, people used to always ask me, why are you so happy? And it must have been this. It must have been because I was going witnessing every... I still do. I go witnessing every week. At least once. Sometimes two times. Once in a while I get in three times a week, but my goal is just one hour every day. I want to get to the place where seven days a week I do one hour. I, I would love that. <laughs> but unfortunately, I have to let everything else go to wherever it's going to go to do that. Plowing is hard work, and people do not like hard work. Isaiah 28 says, does the plowman plow all day to sow? Yeah. The plowman plows up the hard ground. Why? At the end of plowing up the hard ground, he sows seeds in it. You know what we do? We sow seeds on ground that, 
nowadays is so hard. <laughs> it is such a hard... Gr- we, if you have any doubts, we live in the last days. I, I wish you could experience the last 20 years with me. I was telling a guy today, he asked me, how is the work in Zambia? And I said, you know, 20 years ago you started church and the people would like flock to the church. And I said, now all the churches have 50 people or less. <laughs> Almost all. Unless you do, you know, the, you know, the, you know, boom, chicka 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 boom. You know, if you, if you, if you bring all the aspects of the tavern into the church, you can build a church. I have learned that. I'll ask the guy. Now, the music you play at church, is it the same as the music at the tavern? Yes. And you're excited about that. I, you don't know how to build a church. I'm like, you're right. I thought you'd build a church by promising everybody food. Because that works too. We don't do that either. People really believe I don't know how to. I've had people tell me, I don't think you know what you're doing. And I'll say, explain. You do this and you do that. Oh, I said, oh, no, I know how to do that. I'm just not going to do it. Why not? Because then, well, then people will come. You don't want people. I was like, well, I don't want those people. I don't want those people. Well, if you bring those people in, you'll convert them. No, no, no. You have to keep doing that same thing to keep them. One guy told me, don't you know we'd have more visitors if you gave the visitors tea and biscuits? I said, yeah, I know. I know. Why don't you do that? The same reason I don't give every visitor 50 kwacha. I'm not against tea and biscuits. As a matter of fact, I would love if we still had it here. But I'm not going to come for the tea and biscuits. <laughs> the tea and biscuits is a fringe benefit to me. I didn't say fringe. Fringe benefit. <laughs> Ezekiel chapter 36 says, One day God's going to turn the stony heart to a new heart. But in the last days, it's the hard ground. And I don't know if you want to plow it, but it's hard to plant if you don't plow. Now, I'll tell you my situation. Many times I've found the ground somebody else plowed. (laughs) It's fantastic. Look at verse 38. I sent you to to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored. And ye are, ye are entered into their labors. I've found that man. I've, I've, I've wandered up on the man and said, Sir, are you saved? No, I'm not saved. Would you like to be saved? Yes, I would. <laughs> and the guy gets saved in five minutes. Why? It wasn't because I, something else happened through his life that brought it. I've talked to the guy who said, I was just thinking about dying. I've, I've talked to the guy who said, Last night I was going to bed and I was worried. What's going to happen when I die? Well, that's not my labor. Somebody else labored. You know, there are men that preached on the radio. They're dead now. <laughs> and we're still entering into their labors. <laughs> they're still pre- He being dead yet speaker. They're preaching on the radio, and I'm finding the guy. The guy's dead. <laughs> and I entered into his labor, found a guy that he preached to, Jack Chick. Jack Chick is dead. We're still using his tracks. <laughs> He's still getting people saved now <laughs> through those tracks. He's dead. But I've entered into his labor. You know, the Bible says, the sower soweth the word. I don't know if you've heard the stories. I'm sure Brother Mike's told some of these stories. But there have been guys that have said, I live by the ocean here. I'm going to put tracks in a bottle and literally cast the bread on the water and throw the track out in the bottle and get the track mailed back from somewhere else in the world saying, I've read this track and been saved. (laughs) Find something like that to do. You don't have to do that exact thing, but... You know, it says in 1 Kings twenty-two thirty-four, when the king of Israel died, it said they were in a battle, and it just says, a certain man drew a bow at a venture. 
And you know, the king of Israel is trying to hide and disguise himself, and you dress up like a king, I'll, I'll dress up like somebody else. But the arrow hit him. <laughs> the Lord still found him with the arrow. Because why? There was some soldier, he just drew a bow at a venture. <laughs> and you know, I've passed out a lot of tracks, and I don't know what's happened to them. But I'm very excited to find out one day. Because if you do something God can bless, you can never get discouraged and say, oh, I'm not getting anything done. Because that, that soldier, he just did something and, and the Lord put his hand on it and directed it right where it needed to be. If you plow and you plant, you know what's going to happen? You will reap a harvest. You will. The Lord allows you to bring in some of that harvest. And the Bible says, He that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life. The sower and the reaper both rejoice. And Jesus Christ is very clear. He says, the harvest is ready. If you say the harvest is way out there, you're like that young man that says, I have some exams, and I know they're in six months, and I'm going to study after five and a half months. <laughs> and if you think that doesn't happen, you don't know students. Because I remember they used to say, there's a big science project that's due on this date, that's this many weeks, and the night before, we'd be up till 1, 2 in the morning, working on it that night. And that's human nature. Jesus Christ said, don't say that it's four months away. It's now. Don't say, when I get more time, when I get a different job, when my circumstances change. They don't. Come to Proverbs 10, verse 5. I told you I had four points. Are you nervous? This is point number one. It's the longest point, I'll just tell you. In case you're keeping score, this is the longest point. Proverbs 10, verse 5. He that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causeth shame. Are you asleep in the harvest? <laughs> Don't be spiritually asleep when the, the spiritual harvest is ready. The time is now to do what? To do what your part is. And I don't know if your part is plow. You know what plowing usually involves in this discussion? Making someone upset. You know, I was taught this, you know, Mike was a Catholic. I was taught, first, if you're going to get a Catholic saved, first you have to get him angry. <laughs> right? That's what they say. They say, first you have to get him angry. <laughs> then, uh, then he gets worried. Then he can get saved. And that goes for a lot of religious people. First you've got to get them angry, and that's plowing the ground. <laughs> then you put the seed in. Then he can be saved. Now, number two, I'm going to give these to you fast now, because I'm kind. And some of you may be hungry. I'm not. I could preach a long time on what I've got. Number two. I said number one, you can plow and plant. Number two, you can pray. Matthew 9, verse 37 and 38 says, Pray the Lord of the harvest that he would do what? Send laborers. You know you've got young people in the church. If, if you're an older person, you say, I'm too old to go. I'm, I've got my roots down where I am. I'm not going anywhere. Pray for the, pray for the young people. I mean, that's what happened. I know somebody prayed for me. I know they did. In 1991, I went to a missions conference, and I'll tell you more of the story in a minute. But I went to that missions conference in 1991, and during that conference, I had no doubt God wanted me to be a missionary. I found out later, my mother, my mother told me, she said, when you were about five years old, your grandmother would look at you and say, I think he's going to be a preacher. And the only, the only thing I can say about that is my grandmother was not a prophetess, eh? But I assume she was praying for me. I assume she was. <laughs> Pray the Lord would raise up a laborer in the harvest. 
Ecclesiastes 4.16 says there's no end of all the people. There is no shortage of lost people. The shortage is the number of laborers to bring the harvest in. And if you, many of you, you can't work in the field. You can't, you know, the, the, I remember going to places as a young man where the police would come and say, you need to get out of here. It's dangerous. If there's a call here, we're not coming back. <laughs> in Little Rock, Arkansas. There were a lot of murders that year. It was a bad year. I remember, there, I remember there were 52 weeks in the year and there were 52 bank robberies. I was in one. <laughs> it was a bad year. <laughs> so, I mean, I know crime is much worse here. I agree with that. That's why I'm saying, you know, it's not wise for, you know, some of you ladies, you don't need to go to those dangerous places, right? You know, there's many of you, you don't need to go plow the hard ground where Fricky is. And I'll be honest with you, I can't take it. I can't take the cold weather. I, I can't do it. It hurts. But there's some of you young people, we're going to pray you go to places like that. Ottoman says no. <laughs> that was very funny. He said no. Okay, we'll pray for someone else to go. Amen. Pray for those already on the field. You know, the worker in the field gets tired. He gets weary. He gets old. I know a guy that's been in Scotland now like 40 years. He's old now. You know, in the Bible, you know the story. The, the children of Israel are fighting a battle, and Moses is holding up the staff. And when he holds up the staff, the children of Israel win the battle. And when his hands get tired and fall down, they lose. So Aaron and Hur come, and they hold up the hands. I think they had him sit on the stool. Eh? They had him sit down, and they held up his hands because he needed help. And the picture, of course, is prayer. You hold up the hand of the laborer. And you say, well, I'm, I'm just a little old lady. I sit at home. You can do that. You can sit there and pray and say, Lord, hold up the hands. Keep the weary laborer in the harvest. Make him to continue bringing it in. No one will know you did it. You know, we're, we're the famous people. You know, we have cards. You know, like when I was a kid, you know, they had, they had these sports, football, and baseball trading cards. You know, we have missionary trading cards. We get all the, we get all the glory. <laughs> But the lady that prays for us, I met a lady in a church one time, I was up in Ohio, and she said, my name is so-and-so, I pray for you every day. And I thought, that's probably why I'm not dead. No, no joke. <laughs> I mean, you, you know the traffic, you know, the, you, know, you know how they drive on the road. It's worse than Zambia, I'm telling you. It is. I don't know how many times I should have been dead, but I sure do appreciate somebody praying for me. Prayer changes things. In the harvest. Number three, I said you can plow and plant, you can pray. Number three, you can pay a proxy. You know what a proxy is? A proxy is somebody who goes in your place. This is all for the sake of the P, right? In other words, you can pay a substitute. <laughs> you can pay a proxy. You can send someone else in your place to do the job. You don't even have to be spiritual. You don't. You don't, to, to, to say, this is some money, I'm going to give this to missions. A lot of guys do it, they're not very spiritual people. You don't know that? You don't agree with that? I, I know guys that give money to missions, I don't think they're, some of them are not spiritual. Some of them are. I'm just saying, if you want an easy way out, <laughs> you send the other guy. In your place. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, come to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13, I'm sure you know this story well, the church of Antioch. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Now, I'm not saying if you give money to missions, you're not spiritual. Some of you look like I said the wrong thing. 
There's spiritual people who give. God so loved the world that he gave. Right? You're like the Lord if you give. Acts chapter 13. Oh, I know why you're getting nervous. Because I said pay. I, I just figured it out. Because now we're on money, isn't it? All right, let's hurry up and get off this because uh, you look worried. Acts chapter 13, verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and they had also John to their minister. The passage is known as what? The first missionary journey. Why? A group in a local church sent two to represent them and preach elsewhere. So the, the word missionary means someone who is sent. Or in this case, you pay a proxy. Let there be light. <laughs> Woo! All right. If someone will bring me my glasses, we'll carry on. I can't see my notes now. Stand by. All right. It says many people. <laughs> many people had the responsibility to take the gospel, but they sent two. You know, God, I believe God has not called everyone to go. I believe that. God has called some people to stay. I believe it. But do you have a definite calling this day? Because I didn't. In 1991, that guy preached and he said, Listen, if you're young and you're healthy and you're not in debt and you have no definite calling to stay, the Bible says go. And I thought, man, that was very direct. That just, I mean, I think I was the only guy in the room not in debt. Hello. Are you in debt? It's hard to be a missionary. It is. See, now we're talking about money. Jesus loves you. People don't like to talk about money. They like to talk about Jesus loves you. <laughs> Everyone has a responsibility to do what? Help in God's global plan. And the devil knows this. If everyone gets involved and does something. It's like when I, I had these tables in my car, three tables, when I pulled up tonight. They were, there were so many tables in there, I opened it, and they started falling out. But you know what happened? Three different brothers came and helped. So you know what I had to do? I had to put them in the car and bring them. <laughs> no, I had to do very little. I didn't walk in with anything. Why? Everyone helped. That's the way it should be, but that's very seldom the way it is in church work. There's a very large denomination in the USA, the Southern Baptist Convention. They have 47,000 local churches. It is said... Less than half of their pastors have ever led one soul to Christ. One. A pastor. Less than half have led one. Someone is not helping in the harvest. Come to Ezra chapter 1. We're going to make this a missions passage. <laughs> Ezra chapter 1. I think you're going to see the missions application. Ezra chapter 1. Verse 2. <clears throat> Ezra chapter 1 verse 2 Thus saith Are you there Ezra? Let's see here, let me help you After 2nd Chronicles I'm, not, I'm, I'm trying to help I'm not making fun It's hard to find Ezra A lot of people look for Ezra in the prophets Amen. <clears throat> they do 2nd <clears throat> Chronicles Then Ezra, Nehemiah uh, If you're over in Esther, Job, go backwards Ezra chapter 1 verse 2 Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven, hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, 
And he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and do what? And build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. So some people were supposed to go to Jerusalem. They were supposed to go and do what? Build the house of God. We're going to call that the church. I know, I know if, you don't, if, if that's not exactly right, bear with me. All right? Some people go and they build the house of God. That's what we do. We go and we start the church. Look at verse 4. Whosoever remaineth, that's you that are called to stay, and whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts beside the freewill offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. So you give your offering, and then you help the guy who went somewhere else to build the house of God. Now you can't send him a beast. You can't tell Brother Fricky, listen, we've got this cow, we're posting him to you. We don't do that. We convert the cow into cash, into biltong. <laughs> I bet he'd like some biltong, to be honest with you. Don't you reckon? I bet he'd love a little taste of biltong. I, I reckon he's suffering. Like, you know, Armand. <laughs> That's the way I feel. You know, he talks to me on Marco Polo, and I say, Oh, no, no, Lord. No, 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 no. Don't ever think of sending me there. No, Lord. No, 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 no. He talks about the ground being so hard in the summertime, you can't. Wow. You, you can't bury people. Can you imagine? Eee. But you know what you can do? You can send some help. And at least he doesn't have to worry about finances. He can worry about all the other things. You say, well, I have to worry about my finances. I know, but he's worrying about a lot of things you don't worry about. He's, he's suffering. Some are sent to go to a faraway place and build the house of God. Those of you that get to remain, you get to help him. You get to help the missionary. I'm going to give you some evangelism st statistics. <laughs> some evangelism statistics. <laughs> And then I'm going to give you one more point. 95, I got this on an evangelism website. I'm sure it's accurate. Everything on the internet is accurate. <laughs> right? You know what Abraham Lincoln said? Abraham Lincoln said, everything on the internet is true. He, I, think he, I think he died in 1886, right? <laughs> Just listen. 95% of all, I believe this, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. That's not the preachers now. That's all Christians. 80% of all Christians do not consistently witness. That's four out of five. I believe that. That's my experience. I don't doubt that. Less than 2% of saved people are involved in evangelism. Then 71% do not give to the financing of the Great Commission. 71% of Christians do not put the money where the mouth is. They spend more on dog food. Airtime. You know, airtime's important. I think my dad, my dad in his life bought zero. He lived and died, no airtime. But for us, airtime is essential. Amen? We, we took a survey one time at Kofulafuta, the mission station that I started work at in Zambia. And we had about 15 guys in the dorm in Bible school. And the poll showed they spent a million kwacha a month on airtime. One little group of guys in Bible school in, in a rural area spend a million kwacha a month on airtime. Now, I'm not preaching to you about money, but you get the message. We, we spend money on things that when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, you're going to go, oh, man. 
Did I really, did I really spend that on dog food? Ouch. <laughs> I'm not against dog food. Eh? I love dogs. But sending a proxy is the easy way. Giving financially is the easiest way we will talk about. Because praying's hard. Going out and talking to people is hard if you're not wired like me. You know, the way I was wired, I just start talking. And I thank the Lord for it. Because I have this gift of gab. But if you don't have that, whew, just put money in. <laughs> but then as you grow, you know what you're going to have to do. You're going to have, if, if, it's, if it's a fire in your heart, it's got to come out. Then last, I'm going to say, for the sake of P, remember? <laughs> Instead of saying, you can go yourself, I'm going to say, you can proceed. Because <laughs> that's what they tell me at the police check when they stop me. They say, proceed. It means go. You can go yourself. You know what we say? We say, if you want the job done right, do it yourself. <laughs> that's, that's my, I thought that I could do that when I was young. I thought, I, the job's not being done right, I'll go do it. <laughs> and now I look back and think, hmm, maybe we need the job done right, maybe we need somebody else to do it. In 1991, that, you know, Letitia and I had a little baby girl in August. And then this missions conference in 1991 was in November. So the baby was very small, August, September, October, November, four months. In that missions conference, the preacher had a piece of paper. Maybe I've told it before, but he, he passed out a piece of paper to everyone. It had a lot of mission organizations and mission boards on it. And it showed the rate of decline of number of missionaries over the last 50 years or something like that. And on that chart, it said, if the rate of decline continues at the current rate of decline, there will be no missionaries by 2011. <laughs> I thought that was, you know, in 1991, I thought, man, 2011, that's a long way out there. Now it's in the past. <laughs> but I heard that, and I sat there, and I said, well, that's it. I will go myself. If, if there's going to be no missionaries one day, I'll solve the problem. At least there'll be one. <laughs> I will go myself. The guy read Matthew 28, 19, and 20, and he said, the command, if you're a disciple, is go. And if you have no specific calling to stay, your command is Go. And that's what I was taught. So ask the Lord tonight. I, I know every Christian needs to be a witness. I know they do. But it says 2%. 2% of Christians take that seriously. Ask the Lord tonight, Lord, do you want me to go? Do you want me to give? Do you want me to give more? Lord, I don't pray for the missionaries. Ask the Lord. But this is, this is the problem in the day and age we live. If the guy cannot do something big, he says, I won't do anything at all. And then the devil says, that's it, man. We need a bunch of you Christians and don't do anything at all. Because I'm telling you, I, I talk to enough brothers and read, I read, I read about 50 missionary letters every month, month and a half. And they're, people, they're getting people saved all over the world. They are. And if more people got involved, imagine how much more could be done. Because the devil knows if everybody get involved, gets involved, we'll reach the world. Do you think when Jesus Christ gave this command... Go and preach the gospel to every creature. It was a design of failure where he thought, where he said, this plan will fail. No, he gave a command. It would work, but we don't work the plan. God's global plan for missions. Let's pray. Guys, we're going to pray in just a moment. I think you've got... I hope you were making some notes.
plow, to plant, to pray, to pay, to proceed. We, uh, we haven't had an opportunity in a while to invite people to come forward and pray. You know what? we got plenty of space up here. You'll be perfectly socially distanced. I promise. If we run out of space, we'll put you outside. But this might be a good time to consider your options and how you want to get involved in this global plan. I'm just going to read a couple verses and then we're going to pray. A man came to Jesus and the Bible says, He said to him, Lord, I will follow thee. Tonight, I'm wondering if you would say that. Would you say that tonight? If you saw the Lord Jesus Christ standing here before would you say, Lord, I'll follow you? Jesus stood and let this man continue. Let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. He said, Lord, I'll, I'll do anything for you. Just let me tie up some loose ends. Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plow, and looking back is fit for the kingdom. Jesus didn't rebuke him because he knows this man is tying up loose ends. He's going to get involved in the ministry. I will do my part, whatever that. But once you that plow, you don't look back. And that's what I'm offering you tonight. Grab hold of the plow. Maybe you can do it where you're seated. If you want some time with God, Say, Lord, I see the plow, I see the need, I see the work that you want me to do. I'm letting you, and I have no intention of letting loose. Now, have your heads bowed and eyes closed. I'm going to ask somebody at the table there, just turn on some music softly if you would. We have, we have a few minutes here. If you need some time to pray about this. You can bow where you're at. You can come forward. He said the command is to go. That's the standing order. Jesus said go. Now unless he has told you otherwise, that's what you do. The question now is just where, how far, to what extent? We have it sorted out. You know exactly the part you're supposed to be playing in this? I'm not saying you don't, I'm just asking you to examine your heart. We, we do have a healthy amount of night. Can I ask you, have you ever asked the Lord, do you want me to be a missionary? Don't be afraid to ask. And there's a decent chance he might say no, but at least you asked. And I promise you, from asking that, he'll say no, but here's what I do want you to do. One thing we know for sure, God is interested in getting the gospel to the regions beyond. There's no doubt about that. He wants everyone in this room to grab hold of that plow.
and never look back. You can plow, plant, pray, pay, or proceed. Father, we thank you for speaking to our hearts tonight, challenging us, reminding us tonight about this global plan of yours. Not just to see folks saved, but for them to become true worshipers, and it is not a one-man job. Father, we want to lift up the hands of those that might be weary, struggling, literally suffering on a foreign, very hard field. We think of these folks laboring in Sri Lanka, India. We think of these Christians dying right now in Afghanistan. Missionaries that we've never heard of and probably never will. Father, we lift them up to you. Please have mercy on them. Show us, God, what we can do to make a difference in this endeavor. To help people come to know you personally and worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I believe you're just getting started with us this this long weekend now for us, this very special weekend for us. Please continue to stir in our hearts. Bring us back tomorrow, God, ready, ready for you to, to change us. All the way through Sunday, God, carry us through. And God, please change us so that we're never the same. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.